For Beyond Profit, a podcast of the ANA Center for Brand Purpose, I'm Ken Bolliou. The technology we count on to stay connected is both a blessing and a curse. On one hand, it allows us to live our lives more effortlessly and efficiently. But on the other, technology has replaced real human connection. Inspiring people to connect in a more meaningful way is core to the marketing and branding efforts at Cox Communications, the largest private telecom company in the U.S. Behind the great work of Gaston Veneri, Senior Vice President of Brand, Cox is bringing people closer together to build a better future through broadband applications and services. Gaston, who leads the brand and strategy teams, joins me to discuss the brand's positioning and how it is powering the business. Gaston, welcome to Beyond Profit. Again, how are you thinking? So Gaston, let's just jump right into it here. Was there a seminal moment or a particular insight that set Cox Communications on a course to help people create more moments of genuine human connection? It's not a very romantic story. It's it, in, in the sense that um, this is a very disciplined construction. I was hired to uh, to do this. Uh, my my boss had amazing brief when he hired me. I, I've worked in Unilever for many, many years. So had he. I think he he believed that telecommunications doesn't have very sophisticated branding. And I agree with that. Yeah. But he also knows what good looks like. He's he's worked in places like Unilever. You, you get exposure to high quality thinking on branding. And he he knew it wasn't there. And his recruitment brief to me was, uh, we have a, a brand name, but we don't have a brand. Your mm-hmm. job is to make it a brand, which is like, it's a dream. You know, you're, you're handed a $12 billion brand. That's not a brand. And, and, and you get to decide what the right. brand should be and, and how to deploy it. So, so by invitation, I, I was brought in to go look at what's the right brand to deploy out there. And then we did by the book, Again, train of Unilever, the, the way you go about these things. So very disciplined, the research, mapping the brands, understanding strategically where other brands were standing and where we wanted to stand. At, at some point, it became very clear that it was a territory that is vacant in technology. Most technology companies work incredibly hard to project a very fast and um, slim and sharp and high-tech, control-oriented and uh, competence-oriented image for their brands. And there was a the whole warm and fussy space. Sure. Vacant. Uh, no, no, no company is there. And we were to some degree there as a brand. Mm-hmm. More importantly, we're there as a culture. Cox is um, the, the friendliest, nicest, most affiliative company I've ever worked in. There, there was um, a very clear space that we needed to be in uh, the map. Uh, which is a warm and fussy, more human space, more caring sure, sure. space. Uh, there was a, a very um, clear alignment between the culture and, and that warm and fussy, uh, caring space. Was, we are that. And then we went on hunting for the insight. What's, what's our right to be in that space? Um, again, disciplined research. And the thing that became very apparent, and it's really intuitively probably true for anybody listening, is that we have never been as connected as we are today. We have mm-hmm. all sorts of connections everywhere. Right. I wear a watch that counts my steps and posts them on the internet for, for people that I vaguely care about, ex-girlfriends that I don't even remember to know how little I walk every day, right? It, it's it like right. this connection everywhere, but we never felt less connected. It seems like all this connectivity has 
displayed real connection and and we're we're missing that we need that and this was pre-pandemic i think um, maybe we right. should talk about how the pandemic changes that but it, it became a very clear insight in the caring uh area people wish they had more moments of real human connection and we felt that because we offer the tools to both create moments of real human connection but also distract you from the opportunity of moments of real human connection we had a right to walk into this conversation and try to advocate, inspire people to be intentional about how they use technology to create moments of real human connection. So, so it wasn't a romantic one day we suddenly stumbled <laughs> into this. We, we had a very disciplined approach to find it. We ended up finding something that is this enormous thing that is incredibly visible to everybody, but mm-hmm. not at all leveraged. Um, by brands in our category, not in a meaningful way. You had mentioned that you worked at Unilever, one of the most purposeful companies in the world. And, and I just, I would love for you to elaborate just on how those experiences at Unilever really helped you with the transition to this job at Cox. Oh, what a cool question. I'm sure there are more levels, but I'd say there are three levels. One is, it's, it's like a marketing school and, and there's such a discipline. I think people that have gone through PNG have the same experience. Like you, you, you really have to try hard not to learn to not come out the other side being a, a, a pretty good brand person, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, because it's so given to you. Um, so so the, the methodical approach and the tools and the, and the thinking together with, which I think it's pretty cool about Unilever specifically, cultivating this sensibility to these things. Uh, I think most people that you'll meet that work at Unilever tend to have a lot of interests that are outside of business and feel very comfortable bringing those into their conversation. Uh, I, I remember when I met, the first time I met the Unilever CMO, I was very young and I showed up, I was in the UK visiting and, uh, and I mentioned that I was interested in theater. And the guy had in his mind, the catalog of all of the theater productions at, at the time in the UK and recommendations and blah. the guy was really into theater and, and he found it relevant to spend time talking about uh, theater at work. And that's because you're expected to have a broad set of interests and to bring all sure. of those sensibilities into your job, which I think it's, it's a really cool competitive edge uh, within the marketing community. A lot of marketing people do their MBA, particularly in the US, they do their MBA and they see themselves as business people. And, and there's all this humanity that you that you can have and enjoy and cultivate and bring into uh, work. So I'd say that's the second thing is this uh, confidence uh, and, and also curiosity uh, to be broader than your work is and to bring broader things than, than what seems directly relevant to your work. The other thing is Unilever has been probably the first company that I can think of at that scale that took it really seriously to mm-hmm. give brands purposes and to um, and to have brands constructed around something that you want to give back to the world. And, and this was uh, kind of floating around there for some time, but there was a CMO called Paul Pullman. He had the mission to show the business world that business could be done in a different way. And he showed how you can, you know, he had a sustainability target at the time. No other company was doing this. So a sustainability target of doubling the size of the company while maintaining the, mm-hmm. the environmental footprint. 
uh, yeah. which was very brave, and and he went at it, and and he also put on all of us brand people the uh, the expectation that your brand is bringing something to the world, and and that you have some sort of purpose, and and I think I really think uh, it was a pioneering company in doing that at a scale. Mm-hmm. A lot of small brands had done it here and there, uh, right. but but the expectation that everybody should do it in a sixty billion dollar company uh, with whatever more than hundred brands, uh, sure. size. It was uh, it, it sounded pretty weird and and sort of very very ambitious at the time and but you take this with you and you try to replicate it if you can. Right, terrific. Thank you for sharing that. I want to bring the conversation back to um, your efforts now at Cox. Tell us some of the branding initiatives that you're now implementing to help create you know those genuine human connections and bring people closer together. There are two big buckets. There's a lot of stuff that we do as a company. So, so think this is this is uh, overlapping, but not exactly the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that goes to the basic providing access, right? So, so it is uh, for me still difficult to get wrap my head around the fact that 20 percent of the people in the U.S. don't have broadband, and, and uh, you know some people are transitioning and different circumstances, but but we should do it a little better than that. And we have a number of very aggressive programs to make broadband affordable for the people that need it the most and can't afford it. There's a, there's a whole set of different programs. One that I think it's probably the poster child uh, is what we call Connect to Compete. And that's a program where we give heavily subsidized broadband access to families with children of school age. Uh, so so we use, uh, it's a, it's a means qualification. So, so it's people that can't afford it because we think that this has always been the case, but now even more so. It's very difficult to get an education without broadband access. Um, and we have 140,000 kids under that program uh, that would otherwise not have, probably wouldn't have broadband. We have other programs. So that, I think that's, that's probably one of the biggest ones and, and one of the oldest ones. So, so a piece of this is providing people access. The second part, and it's more central to the brand promise, is also trying to inspire people to be intentional on how they use uh, the internet and how they use all of this connectivity. And uh, there's a number of things that we do with that, but I'd say the probably better known expression of that is what we call brand acts. And that is we, from the beginning, we felt uh, the world doesn't need another brand preaching and telling them what they should or shouldn't do, what they should or shouldn't think. I, I don't think any, anybody wants to hear another brand mm-hmm. preaching. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go out there and do something that is uh, useful. Um, and also we think will prompt people to reflect about the way they use connectivity. And then we're going to but there's something that we did out there in the form of videos and, and sort of give people access to this um, and, and see whether we can inspire people to reflect. And, uh, and this, was, um, this started before the pandemic. And if you want, I can walk you through a couple of cases that we did. Sure, sure. Um, to hear. So the, the first one that we did is uh, our approach. We, we did all of this work together with one ATLA. Um, that um, for those that might not know is a phenomenally good agency based in LA or, or they have a base in LA, they're, they're a global agency. And the way we approach this is we said, okay, let, let's try to find if, if we're going to do something inspiring, let's try to find 
a population, a group of people that are in very, very much in need for human connection. Mm-hmm. So, so let's find people that need it the most. Right. And then let's go and do something useful, but also cool and, and that will bring attention to this, this group and how we can connect to this group. And when we picked seniors, so all the people already, for many reasons, particularly in the U.S., are, are very isolated. Now, for me, culturally, culturally it, it, it was a very obvious thing and very hard thing for me to digest. I come from Argentina. I'm Latino. I come from a culture where our, our all people are close. So the, the, this idea that they, in the U.S. they get shipped somewhere and, and that's where they are is uh, very foreign to me and very strange and yeah. uh, occasionally painful. So, so we said, okay, uh, seniors need moments of real human connection. And interestingly, that this was probably always true, but with with the internet and how the internet has become central for so many people, if they are not very fluent mm-hmm. in using the internet as a means to communicate, they're left out twice. They're left out because of distance and because you know the, the maybe young people in their family don't find time for them, but they also right. left out because all of their family are communicating online and they're they're sort of out of this system. And not participating, uh, I was like, okay, how can we help them? Let's teach them how to use social media to connect with their uh, grandchildren. So the grandchildren are in social media. If we can help seniors learn how to reach out to them intentionally and with with a, a bit of an agenda, something mm-hmm. that they want to uh, do, um, then uh, we, we can teach them. And I think that if we do that, or we thought if we do that, it's going to inspire people to think, okay, well, what am I doing about the old people in my life? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we had a few cases. One was uh, Larry he is a veteran. He um, he lived in a senior uh, facility, and he had this beautiful story of love with his wife. And his wife had uh, died recently after years of um, Alzheimer. Uh, so he's he's thought a lot about forgetting. And about things being lost. Mm-hmm. And he felt he was the last custodian of their love story. And that he would have wanted to give this love story to the next generation. And he had, he had a very special bond with one of his uh, granddaughters. So we taught him how to use Facebook to construct bit by bit a piece that he posted out to his uh, granddaughter telling the story of how he and his wife met and how their love grew and, and wow, got married. And it's, yeah. it's super moving, super sweet. Mm-hmm. I may choke as I tell you the story because it's still moving to me. Uh, sure. the, the very cool thing is his granddaughter had a letter uh, from Larry's wife telling her also another part of the story. Larry didn't know this letter existed. So his granddaughter, inspired by, by Larry reaching out through Facebook uh, to her, brought this letter and, and read this letter to Larry, which is a super moving moment. And wow. it's so cool, super powerful. So, so that, that was one intervention. And I think, and I've heard so many people tell us that, you know, that it was beautiful and inspiring, telling us, you know, and I called my grandparents and, and I decided to go see my parents more often, like really people committing to the intent Another example we had was this um, couple, particularly she, old lady that's Korean, and she felt a lot of her Korean culture was getting lost through the generations. And for her, a lot of her culture was rooted in cooking uh, mm-hmm. and the food. Um, so she wanted 
her granddaughter to learn how to cook Korean food. And what she did is she used Instagram and she um, she posted these videos with the recipes, tagging her granddaughter, uh, hoping to sort of bait her into learning these things. And they're they're awesome. And his granddaughter hit the bait and and got into it and uh, and showed up one day at her door with kimchi. Uh, that mm-hmm. she had prepared that that apparently was way too salty. But hey, you know it's, it's a, it was a, a first attempt. So so also absolutely. Um, so so that was a first product that we uh, did, and it, it was um, had a lot of impact. A lot of people suddenly having a conversation with us and about us that was way warmer and full of positive emotions that we've ever had. Most people, yeah. if they ever communicate with their cable company, is to complain about some, something that hasn't yes. gone right. Yes. Uh, so, so when you look at our um, Facebook page, a lot of the space and interactions are around this problem or that problem. Suddenly, we're having conversations with people where 95% of the conversation is positive comments telling us that they were inspired and et cetera. Also, the way we measure this is a decision we made at the beginning and that I'm very happy with. The brief to the agency was not, it didn't say at any point, we want people to feel good about Cox. We want people to feel good about our brand. We want people to buy more stuff. The only thing in the brief is we want people to be more intentional about their opportunities to create real human connections. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so the only thing that the agency needed to be concerned about is how we're going to change minds, how we're going to get people to, to move towards uh, a life with more moments of real human connection. And, and then we had the trust that goodness would come to the brand in the back of that. Right, right. How, how, how did the agency react to a brief like that? You know, so far they, different than what you would typically get. They love it. I, I mean, this is, I, I think for many creatives, this is a brief that you, you want to get, right? You know, a lot of creatives hope they can do some advertising that in, in, a, in a small, humble way will change a little bit the world. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if they, they feel that if, if they were given the opportunity, they would like to steer the way you know, one degree towards goodness. Sure. And, and this is exactly what the brief is, is mm-hmm. asking for. And it's a well-resourced brief. This is, this is not like, here's, here's a brief and you have no money. Yeah. Uh, here's a brief and we're well-resourced and we're a huge brand, uh, very well-resourced to, to push your work out if, if, if the work's impactful. And now a quick break. Hey there, Beyond Profit listener. Are you looking for more ways to become smarter about purposeful marketing? Then allow me to introduce you to the ANA Center for Brand Purpose. The center offers playbooks, articles, events, a committee, training, and much more, all created to help you bring your brand's purpose to life. You can learn more about all the resources available by visiting ana.net slash brand purpose. Now, back to the show. So tell me how you're elevating this great work internally with employees and getting them to rally around what you're doing. You had mentioned that Cox Communications is the nicest, friendliest company you've ever worked for. How do you keep your efforts top of mind, I guess, would be my, you know, the greater question. It's the easiest part of my job. And I think one of the big learnings through this process for me is we, we picked for the brand, the positioning we picked, not just because it was good commercially, but it, because it's a true reflection of the internal culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had the, we, we, we put out the new brand positioning, um, I want to say four years ago, you know, we're going to talk about human connections. It seemed silly to present the new positioning or a video on the internet. 
Right. We got to go face to face. Right. Um, so, so um, Brian Steifel, who's you know the guy that did a lot of this work in my team and myself, we got on a plane and and we started going around the country uh, in groups of 500 people in a room and face to face explaining what the positioning is about. And it was mind blowing because we're there and we're trying to say this is what we're going to be about going forward. And at the end of the presentation, we had a line of people that wanted to talk to us and and all of them. They wanted to thank us for finally saying who we are. They all felt that this is who we've always been internally. And this was an opportunity to be to the world, what we are to each other in the, in the building. So it's, it's uh, very, very well aligned with, with the culture and the kind of people that we tend to recruit and retain. So, so enthusiasm. I just have to put the thing out there and people get super pumped because this this is who they are this is who they are in their lives and this is what they want to see their company doing out there Gaston as you as you probably know and you're a member of the uh, the CMO Global Growth Council there's a lot of talk among CMOs these days to essentially stop using the traditional segmentation terms of B2B and B2C and refer to efforts as you know brands for humans is that the mindset that you take into you know your branding efforts at Cox Communications? No, it's, it's super interesting. I, I've sat through these meetings and thought about what, how, how do I use this at Cox. I happen to be in a culture that doesn't need to be reminded of this. This, this is a company that is human and doesn't need to be reminded that that we're a business of humans uh, to humans. Uh, we do have a, a part of our business that we call residential, where we sell to individuals, and we have a part of our business that's business to business, uh, part of where we sell commercial solutions. But I, I don't think this. Is a, I, I think that it's a great initiative from the ANA, and it's great to remind people that we're, we're humans talking to humans at the sure. end of the day. I have the privilege of having started from the, that point already. I, I don't need to remind my CEO, that he's a human and he's serving humans. He's, right. he's reminding us every day. The telecom in industry has been you know, described as soulless by lots of folks. Um, it seems that what Cox is doing is sort of changing that. Is that your perception? That the work that you're doing is now starting to elevate um, how folks describe telecom? Oh, we're, we're a tenth of the way there. We discussed so far the uh, implications of brand positioning for communication. That's one of the implications. We, we say the brand positioning shows up in three ways. One is how we relate to our community. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so we right. relate to our community by trying to inspire them to have more moments of real human connection. We covered this. That's what we talked about. The other piece, which is partly communications and partly product design, is to put our products out there in a way that encourages people to use them for the creation of moments of real human connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that has certain design implications. So, so you know, the importance of, for example, giving people a way to shut down their Wi-Fi to have their family moments, particularly families with smaller children. Sure. Um, and, and so product features that, that allow people to, cons- to create moments of real human connection at home. Um, we have our Contour TV platform that allows families to find stuff uh, speaking to the, the voice remote so that people don't choose to have a family moment. And 10 minutes later, they're still trying to find something to watch and everybody goes to the rooms and watches their own thing, right? Right, right. We made it very easy to find something that the family can watch together. Yeah. Uh, so there are product designs implications of that, as well as product advertising implications. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, we, when we advertise our products, 
we advertise them in a way that highlight moments of real human connection. So you'll never see one of our ads showing somebody alone in their room watching TV. Uh, it's, it's always how do we bring the group together? But the third, and by far the most challenging thing is, if we believe that life is better with more moments of real human connection, then we have to interact with our customers in a way that reflects this belief. Uh, And this means our customers need to feel that they're being treated like people and not like numbers or account numbers. Every time that they interact with us, it feels like a person to a person. That's by far the most challenging thing to do in this industry, by far the most expensive thing to do in this industry, phenomenally complex from uh, the point of view of training capabilities, et cetera. That's expressing the brand in the customer experience. People will not change the way they feel about telecommunications through advertising. They will change it when that, those things that we say in advertising match their experiences of dealing with us sure. on a day-to-day basis. And we're, we're in that journey. You mentioned the fact that you had meetings with, with staff to rally them around all the different efforts that you're doing. Are you doing something similar like that in communities and local communities where you're getting folks together to talk about what it is you're doing? Is that part of you know, your process at Cox Communications? No, we don't. We, not in the sense if, if your question is, do, do you go out there telling people that we're, we're about moments of real human connection, right. et cetera? Um, no, we don't. And, and I think, I don't know that this is true for every brand, but I think that when you work in a category where people are not trusting the companies and the brands yeah. yet, yeah. it seemed to me foolish to go out there and make big declarations of who you are. You got to walk the walk first. Right. Um, and that's why we started with the brand ads, right? It's, it's, it, we, we need to behave this and behave this consistently through time to earn the right to go out there and say we stand for this thing and be believed. So, so, and, and I understand that in other industries where there is more grace, earned grace uh, from the part of customers, then you can you can let your declaration get ahead of your walking. Right. We understand that we don't have that grace yet and that right. we have to earn it first. So that speaks a lot to a point that you made earlier about that too many companies are preachy and perhaps not showing their purpose or delivering on their purpose through action. And so it's, it sounds like that's what you're talking about, that um, you're not, you don't just want to like a talk a good game. You want to show through by example. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know. Consumers are increasingly distrustful of brands and, and reasonably right. so. That they, right. they have all, all rights to be and, and also increasingly distrustful of companies overall and big corporations overall. Right. Um, so I think the, the burn of proof has, has gotten much higher which I think is great for society overall. It, it just makes our jobs more challenging, which is fine. I'm very happy that that's the case. I grew up trained as a marketer to think about brand and advertising as the core of my job. I understand that the core of my job today is customer experience. And that's where I spend the majority of my time right. is on uh, aligning the customer experience with the uh, brand belief. And so, so helping this company be who we say we want to be. Um, and, and that's required a whole new set of skills as a marketer that sure. those, nobody taught me at Unilever. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, these are change management skills, how to, how to rally energy and cultural energy around uh, changing things that are incredibly hard to change that have to do with operations and capabilities, um, how to invest in, in, right. in ways that are 
shockingly expensive to allow the company to behave the way our brand belief tells us we have to behave. My job as a marketer has changed dramatically. The scope has changed dramatically. And I'm in the process of learning completely new skills. Well, speaking of change, I'd like to talk a little bit about, or hoping you could talk a little bit about your Take Charge campaign, which encourages safe and healthy behavior in today's digital world. Hoping you could just talk about maybe a few elements of that campaign and why it's special to Cox Communications. Yeah, that, that's a grassroots campaign and we deploy it nationally and locally. And it's it's um, putting information out there and it's mostly putting information out there mm-hmm. to help make the internet safer for right. yourself and for your kids. So so I think they're, we're not alone doing that. A lot of other brands are doing that. It feels like, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, part of, our obligation with the people that we uh, provide the product with to give them um, effective ways to understand how to protect their family. And also aligned with, you know, we're a caring family uh, and we're a caring company and and we want to help you care for your own family. In that particular case, we do it with uh, education uh, on safe internet. Um, We do it with other things. We do it with products. Uh, We have a whole line of uh, what we call home life. So it's our our line of uh, home automation. Mm-hmm. product and we are very deliberate in explaining those products so that people can deploy them to care for their family better so so, mm-hmm. so how can you use home automation to make a family more comfortable how can you use home automation to make your family feel safer so you um i think you mentioned that uh you the brand campaign launched about four years ago roughly Somewhere in that vicinity, I was just kind of hoping maybe you could share some results. You know, how, you know where where has Cox Communication gone? You know, so the, the brand repositioning was started four years ago. The communication components started deploying about three years ago. The customer experience components started with the brand repositioning. We started the work four years ago, mm-hmm. but I I would I would say we've only gone ten percent of where I want the company to go. Uh, and, and where we believe we have to go, it's, it's yeah. incredibly hard. It's interesting in an A and A masters of brand, I think, a meeting you guys had over the uh, CMO Bank of America, and she was asked this. She, she was talking about the work that they're doing, and she was right. asked the same question. And I think it was related to the fact that they were in the list of the most hated companies in America. Mm-hmm. And and she said that she felt very optimistic because after a decade, they're beginning to see change. And I think that that was like, yes, exactly. That's the way you have to think about this. You can't think about this as a change in a year or two years. Small brands can do that, brands of our size. You have to think about this as generational changes. All this to say, we never expected that things would move quickly. Um, The the ultimate proof of success, if if you want, maybe uh, share, and we've done phenomenally with share. So, So we've gained, since the relaunch, every year, about a point of share everywhere against everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. So we, we compete in different regions of the country with uh, Verizon, AT&T, sure. um, and CenturyLink, and a few other uh, smaller companies. And, and, and we've gained share from everywhere uh, and mm-hmm. everybody um, mm-hmm. and about a point a year. In this industry that moves glacially, it's mind-blowingly fast. So if you think about it, you have a one-year contract with your cable uh, or your internet provider, yeah. probably, or a two-year contract. So the opportunities to move share with one individual happen only once a year, once every right. two years. So share moves super slowly. Sure. It's moving very fast for us. Um, and that's uh, chiefly because the, the first order of business 
from an, uh, strictly on the communication side, was to do all this brand change and brand positioning without losing effectiveness of the advertising. And we measure it thoroughly. So we have marketing mix modeling. We have um, so attribution modeling. We, we're very clear on what our advertising does. And every year we've driven up the ROI of our advertising through this change. So, so that you know, we, we didn't want to get warm and fussy and soft on the effectiveness. And we did. We, we gain effectiveness clearly every year about it third of our growth is explained by advertising alone. And we've, we've pushed that ROI yeah. about 3% a year, every year uh, for the four years. Um, so our advertising and community has gotten more effective. We've also driven down what we call in this industry is called churn. So the number of people that abandon yeah. um, our industry by about a third. So the, what we call voluntary churns are people that can choose to stay. You know, if, you, if you're going to move to a different state where we don't provide service, you don't get, you're not choosing to leave. Our company, but but of the voluntary change, would reduce by about a third in the last four years, which I think it's the the beginning of what we're going to see by applying this mindset to the customer experience. Right. Our experience is far from perfect, and and also people's memories are very long, so they remember bad experiences that they had three four years ago. Right. Um, but in time, we're impacting that, and that explains most of our share. We gain mm-hmm. share because customers don't leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or leave a lot less than they used to. Right, right. Well, so great, great business results. Yeah, terrific business results. Congratulations. Gaston, my final question is a little offbeat. I have mm-hmm. to ask you, what's the one piece of technology that you cannot live without and why is that? I think I can live without everything. Um, <laughs> I'd say at this point in my life, I travel a lot because I want to. And I also... Um, I have a very dear group of friends in Argentina. So I spend a, a significant amount of time working from Argentina. So all the, all the set of technologies that allow me to work remotely mm-hmm. um, have been life-changing because they allow me to spend a lot of time with the people I love in Argentina and still mm-hmm. continue to do a job that I love based in Atlanta at the same time. So right. the, the whole virtual, which I started doing before COVID, yeah. um, has been um, has. Uh, warmed my heart a lot, right. allowing me to do that. Gaston, thank you so much for joining me on Beyond Profit, and I wish you all the best moving forward. Ken, it's been a pleasure. For more information on Cox Communications, please visit cox.com. That's cox.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>